This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? Hello, welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Doing well. Excellent, excellent. Uh, welcome to all our listeners and all new listeners, uh, for fo- folks who are stumbling upon us for the first time, who we are. We are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, a website that is all genre, all uh, pop culture website where news and uh, reviews and podcasts and release notices and all that about movies and books and video games and all that can be found. It's updated constantly every day. So it's a website that you should probably check out every day. And once again, that's www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, also, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook at Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Dark Discussion One. And you can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com. Or you can press uh, contact us uh, in the menu on darkdiscussions.com. Uh, we also do have a Patreon. It's a link right off the podcast website, uh, which is uh, also patreon.com backslash darkdiscussions, which is where you can help the podcast because this podcast is free. The website's free. Everything is free. The only money that we get is from uh, either any advertisers, which uh, at this time we have not uh, gone out to try to get, or from you, the listener who happens to have some extra cash that you would want to help because it does get expensive to uh, keep the website going. Um, there's a fee that has to go to our server company uh, as well as our podcast hosting company, as well as various other things such as software and thing, and hardware and things of that nature, as well as uh, we do uh, try to uh, set up a meetup uh, during the summer. Uh, last summer it was canceled because of COVID. This summer we decided to uh, just let it go uh, as well because of the COVID, uh, especially now with Delta, I guess, uh, I guess yeah, uh, COVID version Delta or whatever it's called. Uh, so hopefully we'll uh, be back next year to do a big event down in Mystic, Connecticut in the summer. And uh, so any money that uh, you guys want to give to us is appreciated for every $5 that you donate, you get to a chance for us to basically uh, do a film of your choice, whether it's on this podcast here, Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews, or the Dark Discussions podcast, which is the main podcast of the network. Uh, basically what happens is if, for example, if you donate $15, you would get three chances to uh, basically choose a film. So for example, you could choose Friday the 13th and choose it three times because it's $5 per one chance, or you could choose three different films such as Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, something like uh, Hammer's Frankenstein. Uh, so um, at the end of each quarter, what we do is we randomly pick from a database 
uh, and, and whatever film pops up from our Patreon contributors, that's the episode that we will be doing. Uh, by the time you hear this episode here, you most likely will notice that Dark Discussions Podcast has just released the John Wick episode, which was discussion of that film, and that was a Patreon pick from one of our uh, kind sponsors, uh, Michelle Barkley of Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, and any right. money any money that goes to Patreon is really appreciated. The site has had a lot of upgrades this year that Phil has done to keep it up to date, and those things are expensive. So any help you can provide. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. The the we did a major. Uh, upgrade just a couple of months ago to the new podcasting hosting site uh, because the old podcasting hosting site was crashing the website and that cost a couple of hundred dollars as well. And then there was another uh, $150 or so for re-upping a uh, dummy site that we have in the background uh, that I use uh, occasionally to uh, do tests on. So uh, yes, as Barrett said, anything would be greatly appreciated. All right, so for folks who are curious about this podcast here, the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast, uh, this podcast, what is it, Barrett? What, what, what's different about this podcast than, say, um, the Dark Discussions podcast, besides the fact that uh, some of the co-hosts are more interchangeable over here? Um, we go a little bit outside of horror. We go into genre films. Um, we also look at books. Um, we have special months like LGBTQ month, uh, in June, we did four different movies. Um, so a bunch, it was four lesbian art house films. So we do various different things throughout the year that dark discussions doesn't do. Um, and there might be some films that don't quite fit in the dark discussions mold. Um, and we might pick up those, um, and we pick up a lot of different screeners and things. Um, so yeah, we we're a bit different. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple of things to add to that is that we do a lot of more interviews uh, episodes on this uh, podcast too. So if there's a chance that uh, there's a filmmaker or something that or, or author of a screenplay or a book that's be made into a movie. Uh, we're more after uh, put them on here than on the Dark Discussions podcast uh, itself, as well as um, uh, some other stuff, too, that, that we've done. Uh, and I, I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I, it kind of slips my mind now, which is kind of odd. So if it comes back to me, I'll, I'll bring it up uh, later. But yeah, yeah. So there, there's a little other things, difference over here that aren't. Uh, done on the other podcast. Um, oh, and I remember what it is now. Uh, yeah, you actually mentioned uh, that we do a lot of uh, some screeners and stuff over here, and a lot of the screeners that uh, appear may not be as big of a budget as, say, uh, a film, even an indie film that we would do on Dark Discussions. Uh, so to give it uh, some credibility and notice uh, that otherwise it wouldn't, uh, and if it's good enough, we'll, we'll put it over here on this podcast, too, to give it as much attention as Dark Discussions podcast does as well. Yeah, um, we recently did a French um, romantic movie, rom well, kind of a rom-com, more serious, though, I would say not as funny, but, but um, 
it yeah we'll be interviewing that director soon so yeah yeah and and uh we'll we'll do a about an uh, probably a, an hour interview with her and then an hour uh review of the film and and we'll put it together as probably just one big episode a two hour episode and then uh also we just did recently with uh co-host kevin uh a, a very low budget indie horror film from england called medusa and uh that one was uh kind of interesting and uh we'll have that episode out soon enough yeah well. that was very interesting and better than i expected so those are the things we run into. We take a chance with some movies and we find hidden gems. Indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. And uh, tonight uh, we, we do have a, another type of film as well. This one uh, actually has a, has a big name in it, um, but, but it's, uh, a, I guess it would be considered an art house thriller. Um, and probably, uh, I would have brought it to the attentions to the dark discussions podcast, but uh, one of the co-hosts over there, co-host Eric, isn't necessarily a fan of the lead actor. Um, and so I figured since we already did one film with this lead actor this year on the Dark Discussions podcast, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't have to put co-host Eric through it again with that actor that he just isn't a fan of. Um, anything else that you wanted to bring up first, Barrett, before we do get into uh, our discussion tonight? Um, I know we talked about it on Dark Discussions, but a couple weeks ago we did Scares That Care. Um, we met with the community there. We had a table and people got to see us in our glory. <laughs> we handed out um, several different things to people to try and get them to know about Dark Discussions. And it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. For folks who are familiar with it, uh, Scares That Care is a convention that generally is yearly obviously last year it was canceled because of the covid uh but they started it up again this year uh it's down in williamsburg virginia and it usually stretches somewhere between august or or july and august and uh, this year it actually was in both months because it started at the very end of july and, and ran to the first couple of days of august uh myself barrett and co-host mike uh, of the Dark Discussions podcast showed up, and as as uh, Barrett said, we um, gave out all freebies and stuff, discussed and talked about the podcast with people, and also uh, met uh, a lot of cool folks there. Um, so yeah, yeah, so that was a good time. Uh, we were a fourth individual, Anthony Thurber, co-host of the Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show on the network. Uh, was supposed to come too, but uh, he uh, unfortunately had to uh, cancel. Uh, but us three were there, and yeah, it was a good time. It's always good to see see you and, and Mike in person. Yeah, that was that was the best part. Indeed, indeed. And I got to meet your lovely wife, who actually helped out at the table. So that was pretty cool of her to do so, and she was really good. Yeah, she loves doing stuff like that. So we'll we'll Shanghai hire again next year to do it. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And uh, hopefully uh, you guys will be able to come up to Mystic Connecticut for the Dark Discussions meetup, which will uh, include about probably about 15 or so people at the at the very least, because uh, we have Kevin Letts comes up from Missouri, uh, all the co-hosts of the Dark Discussions podcast shows up, uh, a bunch of the people from another podcast network, the Dorkening show up and stuff. So uh, it's usually a really good time. So, we meet Yeah, up we're hoping to be there for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. So everybody will uh, get information on that next year because uh, we won't worry about that until probably April when we'll start planning that event. And all of a sudden we're going to be at April. I mean, I can't believe we're almost to September. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my kids, my two daughters start school in like two weeks and they're already shocked to find out that our, our Halloween will be right after that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy how uh, 2021 is, is passing us by pretty quick. Yep. Yeah, when your right. boss is telling you uh, you need to worry about all your vacation time because you have too much of it saved up. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm actually taking another three days uh, next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oh, nice. That's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, we're going up uh, with the family. We're going up to uh, the mountains of upstate New Hampshire. So, oh, cool! It'll be a good time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff up there. We're gonna go on a gondola uh, up one of the ski mountains there, and then we're gonna do some hikes, and then we're gonna uh, go to a couple of micro brew pubs where me and the wife can drink some beer, and the kids can enjoy the food, and then we are gonna do um, uh, Clark's Trading Post, which is kind of a little amusement park and then there's a big water park up there too that we're thinking of doing so yeah oh cool that'll be a fun time yeah indeed indeed um all right so uh oh and yeah actually we'll we'll, we'll probably won't have time to get over to the quebec and the border even though it's supposedly reopened but yeah uh, yeah supposedly they're letting americans in yeah yeah but uh that'll be for another time yeah um all right so uh, i guess we can get into our topic tonight uh so uh barrett why don't you let everybody know what we're going to discuss tonight we are going to be discussing the movie pig um starring nicholas cage um alex wolf and adam arkin and some other actors have some smaller roles throughout the movie but those are the three biggies for a truffle pig. Someone star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig.
Where's my tag? That's right. The film is uh, directed by Michael Samoski and written by himself as well as uh, uh, Vanessa Block. Uh, Vanessa Block and Michael uh, wrote the story, and then the story was adapted to screenplay by Michael Sanoski, who also directed it. It appears that this may be their first, quote-unquote, major film. Um, both of them uh, appear to have met when they were in Yale University in Connecticut and uh, um, became filmmakers, and uh, they got Mike. Uh, Michael uh, Nicholas Cage on board, uh, who actually produced the film and or, or co-produced the film and starred in the movie as well. Um, this is definitely a, his film. It seems like 2021 may be a, a career boost for uh, Nicholas Cage. It's kind of interesting, Barrett, that just a couple of weeks ago when we recorded the John Wick episode, I actually compared John, um, uh, Keanu Reeves and and Nicholas Cage is kind of two actors that were once A-listers that have kind of fallen on hard times. And then out of the blue, um, Keanu Reeves got John Wick because he was friends with the people that made The Matrix. And so when they made uh, this film here, John Wick, uh, they brought him back and his career skyrocketed again. Over here, Pig and uh, Willie's Wonderland earlier in this year, uh, Nicholas Cage is showing that uh, he may be back. What you, what's your thoughts on that? I would agree. He's taking a different path, but he's doing something similar. Um, he's he's trying out different types of roles, too. I mean, the two roles are in this year are very interesting roles. Um, and I think that his role in this, he does a, a phenomenal job. I mean, he's just it's the right film for him right now. Yeah. Actually, if this was a bigger film and he was still part of the Hollywood in crowd um, for what it's worth. And for me, it's not worth much because it's just a bunch of famous people and wealthy people voting for awards of people. Circle jerk. Yes. This film here would be a film that I, I could see Nicolas Cage actually being uh, nominated for a award, such as an Oscar. Absolutely. Something. He does a phenomenal job in this. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a few films that come out of nowhere that have fantastic uh, performances, such as We Need to Talk About Kevin where, uh, with uh, Tilda Swinton and uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller, but, but there's another film I wanted to bring up, which to bring it up, but Michael Shannon uh, was in a film uh, just a couple of years ago called Take Shelter. Hmm, and, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that film, uh, that film was incredible too. And again, these films uh, such as this film here, Pig or a small film. And so uh, unfortunately uh, when it came to award seasons, they're just not noticed. Um, but either way, um, if I ran uh, these crappy awards shows and organizations that, yeah, this film would most certainly uh, get noticed from uh, Nicholas Cage's performance here. Um, all right. So let's discuss uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, I guess we can start with you, Barrett. Um, so I had seen it advertised and seen it around a little bit um, that it was going to be coming out. 
Um, the name kind of threw me. I wasn't sure what kind of movie it was going to be. And then you had said you wanted to do this um, podcast. So I was I was all in. I actually bought the film because um, it wasn't a huge price difference between that and the rental. If I'm going to just pay $6 more and I can watch it forever, I like that. So I purchased it and um, I thought it was a great film. Um, Nicholas Cage and Alex Wolf both have a chemistry together that really works in this film. And it's really their film. Um, you have a little bit of Adam Arkin in there and he does great for the scenes he's in. Um, but primarily you have those two actors and they do a really good job together. And I thought the film was phenomenal. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, for me, I actually, I forget exactly where I heard about it, but I was reading, a review of a, some film and I can't remember what that film was and they mentioned this film here and how it just was recently released I mean recently yeah recently released and that it was uh very good to extremely good and so after I finished reading whatever that review was I went and checked out uh, pig on Rotten Tomatoes for whatever that's worth. Again, critics, you know, who, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and I saw that it was getting uh, close to 100 percent in like with like 170 reviews, meaning that almost everybody thought it was was phenomenal. Uh, so I wanted to watch it almost immediately, and then unfortunately, uh, I discovered that it was only available on on demand or direct TV or something like that, which. Um, is something that um, I don't have. So I figured, all right, I'll have to wait for a few weeks. And then sure enough, within the month, it popped up on video on demand, where, as you mentioned, you could buy it or rent it. And so when, when I saw it there, um, I immediately suggested it to my wife. We watched the trailer. She thought the trailer was pretty good. And so we watched it. Uh, for her, it wasn't uh, as good as she thought it was going to be because uh, she, she um, wasn't expecting the art house uh, type of mystery that it turned out to be. Uh, but for me, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the, the critics, uh, even if they've been very wrong in the past two years, as, as we've discussed uh, how um, critics and, and general audiences now seem to uh, differ a whole lot because a lot of times now people are rating films based off of their own political belief systems or their own personal belief systems rather than whether the film's just good or not. Um, here, uh, the critics were right on um, and the movie is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Alex Wood, Wolf, I mean, um, was great. Uh, but again, this is really Nicolas Cage's film. Uh, he's He's pretty much in... 95% of the film. Uh, his acting is as good as it was when he was an Academy Award uh, actor back in the day and um, will, will most certainly be remembered as one of his best performances uh, when people ever go back. I think it might be his best performance. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you could be right. I mean, I mean, I think it beats leaving Las Vegas, honestly. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Um, it, it's 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 a tough call, but yeah, this this is as good as as that, if not better, as you stated. Uh, this performance, um, and the film is a curious film too. Uh, but before I, I talk about that, uh, Barrett, do we have a wiki? We do. <clears throat> a 
truffle hunter who lives. I, 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 oh, oh, sorry. Wiki, 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 wiki. <laughs> very good, very good. A truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. Okay, I like that. That that doesn't tell you too much. Nope. Um, yeah, it's it, good. It, it, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, as, as a couple of things that's interesting about this film, and, and we'll discuss uh, one. one uh, you brought up offline and, and, and it will bring that up in a moment. Uh, but I want, I wanted to bring up too, which is, I mentioned, you know, the trailer, uh, the trailer actually makes the film appear to be, um, a action revenge type of movie, uh, in the way, in the, the, um, the mode of oddly speaking, since it's been brought up already tonight, John wick. Um, and yet the film, advertising is completely false i feel and as it is people people (laughs) better be prepared to uh not be disappointed because again the last time i ever saw or heard about a film that had false advertising and also a name that doesn't fit with um the movie as you will discuss in a moment uh that's the thing you brought up offline is a movie called it comes at night I don't know if you ever saw that film. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That film uh, also was false advertising, making totally. it seem to be like some horror, sci-fi, apocalyptic film. And in, re- in reality, it is a uh, a drama that takes place after a pandemic, um, which oddly, actually, I mean, that film, when you think about it now, is fit nicely in yeah. Uh, what, what's your thoughts about about this false advertising of this film specifically? Never mind. I don't like it. Um, it. It gives a false idea of what this film is going to be about, and it, I'm not even sure I could box this film into what it is. I mean, it almost feels like it could be a redemption filled but film, but there is no redemption in it when you get down to it. It's it's. It just, it's hard to classify this film. Um, it's kind of like finding yourself and losing yourself at the same time. Um, but yeah, the false advertising, do not go to this movie thinking it's going to be a revenge film. There's no revenge in this movie. Yeah, see, and this is the thing that's that's funny. Here's an example. Um, it comes at night, right? Um, because of the false advertisement, um, a lot of people hated that film uh even though the critics said it was great and for me i rated it as the best uh genre film of that of 2017 when when we did the dark discussions uh, recap list of that year um i was in the minority other people liked other films more than this one but when when i had my list this was the number one was it comes at night and back then it was around 90 to 96 percent of great reviews and yet the audience score was 44%. And generally, as I said, critics and audiences recently have been way off the you know difference. But I think this film here, It Comes at Night, was specifically because of the false advertising. People had expectations. And then when they come out, they just hate the film because of the expectations. And with Pig, if I look at Pig, even though with the false advertising, I think... It still it gets 97% good reviews by critics with 185 in, but the audience score with over 250 verified ratings has an 83%. So this film here 
even with the false advertising, I believe the the case that Nick Cage starred in it and the odd cult following that he has would forgive the false advertising for this film. So the critics and the audience's reviews are pretty spot on and correct. I agree. And there's, you know, I'm, I don't know if other people are this way, but I'm at the point where I disconnect the trailer from the movie because it's almost never what I expect in a movie anymore. And it, I mean, I've stopped watching trailers, honestly, because I don't like seeing scenes that aren't in the movie. And that happens all too often now. And they don't usually show what the movie's really about, or they show too much. They show the whole movie in three minutes. And I don't want that either. Right, right. I, I, I concur. As I, I've stated, and anybody who listens to the Dark Discussions podcast, the main podcast on the network, um, I, I'm, along with co-host Eric, one of the two people that always say, don't watch trailers. Uh, they suck. Yeah, you guys are why I don't watch them anymore. Because, right. I've, I mean, and my experiences. But yeah, when you guys started talking about it, I was like, yeah, that's probably right. Right. Well, well, and it's kind of interesting, too, because on episode of 29 of the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, which is the Anything for Jackson interview that me and uh, co-host Johnny, who was supposed to join us tonight, but uh, unfortunately uh, had to bail. Um, he actually mentions in that episode, uh, after we finish interviewing the, the director and screenwriter of that film, uh, how he t has determined that trailers are unfortunately... Um, something that kind of ruins films for him. And he always now likes going in completely blind. Um, yeah. And this, this film here is a film that the wiki that you just said is good enough because again, the trailer may uh, sway people to think it's something else completely. Because again, I said it was like John Wick, the trailer and everybody was talking about it. it's, it's basically John, uh, John Wick with a pig instead of a dog. But it really isn't. No, this movie is furthest from the only thing similar is they go from somewhere to a large city. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's talk about another thing that you mentioned offline that unfortunately will probably make this film be obscure to a lot of uh, film goers. Uh, obviously, just because it's Nick Cage, it's going to get a little more uh, noticed than, say, the random uh, indie film. Um, but the name of the movie. Explain yeah, the name that. of the movie Pig. I, I think it's an unfortunate name. I mean, it says it, it is about a pig, but it, if you're a lover of horror, it's going to give you a different idea of this film. And... You're not going to think that pig is the nice connotation that it is in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there could be a couple of reasons they, they use this this title. I mean, one, it could be, be simply for the fact that it's, quote unquote, and the quotes are, are literal quotes, cute to, you know, yeah. to just call it pig. Um, but it could have... a. Uh, multiple connotations, as as you were you were implying right there, um, and and again, based off of how it's advertised, it, it feels like it it could be a horror film. And you just mentioned the word horror film, but 
it's not even a horror film or what Mm-mm. you would even expect. No. <laughs> it's it's not even a true thriller either. It's really a drama, mystery, and a character study. Wouldn't you yeah. agree? Yeah, and it's about a whole different part of society that I never think about. Like chefs and mushrooms and this whole underground area of them knowing each other, you know, like the different chefs know each other. And he had worked with different people and knew what their hopes and dreams were. I mean, it just it's it's a different film. And I don't know that a trailer could ever do it justice, honestly. Yeah, it it, it is a curiosity uh, what we see in the film, because uh, some reviews I read said that the second half of the film is, is somewhat surreal uh, because, you know, would there be this quote unquote underground uh, and communication and hidden society kind of sort of things that happen with, I guess, funnily, funnily, if that's even a word chefs, because, you know, you hear that about, you know, the industrial military complex and you hear that about the um the political government of the united states or anywhere for that matter or you know the hidden government and things of that nature but to take that type of thing or or even the mob for that matter and take that type of idea and put it into something as innocuous as chefs kind of makes sense because there's a great scene later in the film where, where, um, and maybe I'll take the clip and actually uh, add it into the middle of of this episode when we get there. Um, But Nicolas Cage's character talks about, about the, the, the fake, how people are fake. And he talks about how you're not even real. Yeah. You throw away your dreams for people that don't even know you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to be accepted by other people or whatever, instead of just being who you are and accepting yourself. And, and ultimately is all about money, right? I mean, making money. And he was saying that really wasn't a worthwhile cause. The worthwhile cause was your hope and dream. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, I don't know if it's even money because even though, the chef that he's he's talking to knows he's making money. I, he's still doing it because he's he wants to be a quote unquote star to yeah. these people who happen to eat at his restaurant. And as Nicholas Cage's character easily explains to him, they don't even know who you are. Yeah, it's all ephemeral. You feel like they know who you are but they don't really, they're eating your food and they forget about you the second they leave this place, but they remember the food. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, he's, that statement isn't necessarily a hundred percent true because, you know, you do see things where someone like, for example, another great film, eyes wide shut. I don't know if you've seen that film. Yes. <laughs> there, there's a scene, you know, he's a, there's a medical doctor played by Tom Cruise who is not part of the, he's an elite, you know, if one, yep. you know, he's part of the 1% or whatever, or, but he's not part of the elite. 
if you know what right. I mean. There's an elite above him, even. Right, and and the elite above him invites him to their birthday party, and so there's a chance you can get above and actually be known and and be accepted, if if not completely, somewhat. But you're still not them. Right. It, it's almost like a country club that that you're. Uh, an observer observer member not a real member well it's funny because he's telling all this to that chef but yet everyone knows who nicholas cage's character is mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. all know him they go places and they're like you're who wait i recognize you or whatever you know they all know him so he wasn't unknown he was known right and the when he gets to that, character oh, what was on, that oh, oh, i was gonna just... say when you get to the end He's definitely known by his food and who he is. Right. The Alex Wolf character says a great line later in the film um, because he plays like a sidekick. And we'll explain all that when we get into the spoilers. But Alex Wolf says, can I use uh, how am I going to get a reservation at a restaurant? Is it all right if I use your name? Because the name of of the Nicolas Cage character, as you said, is known by everybody within the business because even though we're talking 10, 15, 20 years later, people still know who Ted Williams is. If you follow baseball, just as everybody who follows the chef world of Seattle or I'm I'm not, I'm sorry, not Seattle, Portland, Oregon would still know the great chefs of bygone days, even if they have no presence anymore in the modern game, so to speak, if we use the exactly. baseball analogy. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's, there's some really interesting aspects to this film. Um, and the, the, the Nicholas Cage character and his character's name is Rob Feld or Robin Feld um, is both tragic and heroic at the exact same time, and it's just amazing. And I, I know, I know Alex Wolf is the same way. His is tragic and heroic at the same time too. Right, but the difference is, Robin left on his own free will. Well, yeah, but Amir isn't old enough to really have experienced what yet what well, he has I, experienced. Right, I think Amir. I don't really consider him a heroic, but I do consider him a good soul. Yeah. While while Robin is tragic because of the reason why he left, but heroic because he knows after he left that the life he lived prior was generally a crock, except in those moments where he was actually cooking for people, for example, Amir's father and mother. Yeah. And he changed lives with his cooking, which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. That effect he had even on down to Amir who had a memory based on a meal he cooked. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and that story, um, and not to reuse the word, but it sounds innocuous, but 
if it is most certainly very realistic because people will have memories about many things that appear innocuous to everybody else, but to them, they're as special as any moment will ever be in their entire life. Yep. Well, and especially the timing of that particular event. Yes. For him. That's why I think it's seared into his memory. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just necessarily the mail or it's not just necessarily that sunset or it's not just necessarily, um, you know, any moment it's who you're with. It's the things that are going on in your life at that moment. And it really just comes down to be a perfect storm to make that moment as important as it is to any individual. And in this case, Amir, which Robin remembers the moment too. Right. Yeah. So it affected all of them. Yeah. Which is interesting as well. And to Robin, why was it so important to him when he supposedly had been making this meal weekly for this, this couple who were coming into his restaurant and yet that moment he could relate to and remembered it equally as Amir did when it was probably in theory more important to Amir than Robin. So that, that was kind of interesting. Well, and it's also interesting because those two have incorporated it into their them, themselves and it's part of their story. Whereas um, Darius, Amir's father has tried to bury it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and, and that's the thing is that dear, that, that's another, Darius is a really interesting character. We don't learn too much about him, but we learn enough about him that he seems like he could be a good person, but he is what I would think Robin could have become had he stayed in that life. Yeah. Yeah. Or and not that Robin would have, because I think he was straight and narrow, and he was grounded by his wife and all that. But he was in; he had to work in that that I guess um, field where, where. And when I say field, I'm not just talking about a chef; I'm talking about that underground, weird culture, country club thing that um, we're, we're talking weird about. Weird foods. Like yeah. they had really special foods, like they had that cloud enclosed or smoke enclosed food. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the question. What did did Nicholas Cage's character, Robin, did he choose that path intentionally and then discovered after the loss that happens to him that oh my god, I'm becoming I became exactly what the chef that he gives that speech to later in the film had become because who really wants to c- cook pheasants and a right. fat with a smoked glaze. And, the, you know, I mean, versus just, um, as, as he, as he mentioned earlier to that chef, you know, the, the, uh, shepherd's pie at the, at the English right. pub with, with, a, with a, a Newcastle, you know, um so yeah we'll we'll get into all that good stuff um so i think we can uh before we throw up a spoiler let's just set up the the premise of the film um more so than what the wiki said and that's basically um 
there's this guy named Robin Feld who lives in this, um, I, I guess we'll call it a shack, out in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, uh, probably, you know, anywhere 30, 40, 50, 60, and, you know, it could be an hour away from any big city, specifically Portland, um, where he lives basically off the grid with no um, electricity or, or, or shower or any of that stuff. So, you know, so no, no plumbing, no electricity. And he lives there with his pig, um, uh, basically a domesticated pig that uh, lives with him. And he and the pig go out often and probably daily uh, hunting for truffles. And for folks who wonder what the big deal is about truffles, truffles are an expensive delicacy in fine cooking. Um, for example, if you buy just like two ounces of truffle oil, and again, truffles are, are kind of like a mushroom. Just think of a mushroom. And that's the best way to explain it without going into detail. It's a fungi. Um, two ounces of like truffle oil can cost you up to $15. Yeah. So so we're talking good money. It, you know, the, a truffle It's like a maple hunters, syrup. It's like the maple syrup right. thing. Exactly. <laughs> you start it's, getting that much money and you start getting mob involvement and things like that. <laughs> yeah 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 because because i always use the maple syrup up here we have it everywhere in new hampshire and like if you buy a two a gallon of maple syrup so the size of a, a milk jug a standard milk jug that that can go up to 80 dollars versus milk which will cost you exactly <laughs> so we're talking big 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 money and truffles is, is the same kind of thing so there's even happened, rules about importing them and everything i mean they're Oh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially over over in uh, Oregon, you know, being, being close to um, Canada, similar to where we live, I would think it would, they would have have to do certain things where you can't just import truffles and and maple syrup, you know, without, right? And and never mind wine. Um, so uh, they go out every day and basically they find truffles. And whatnot. It's implied that the pig can scent truffles, and a lot of truffles are, are buried underground because they haven't burst through the ground yet. And so, those that have burst through the ground are obviously easy to pick, but the ones that haven't yet are, uh, are still uh, worth something. And it's um, a cute pig. It is. It's a good it's pig. A cute pig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So you like it immediately. Yeah, Damn yeah. It. It, it wouldn't surprise me if if it was like uh like you know anybody who's experienced uh Vietnamese pot belly pig that type of thing as a pet you know it's 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 really it's like just like a dog. Yep, so it's, it's a good thing. Uh, and so that's pretty much the setup of the film where Amir is is his customer. So Amir comes around once a week and basically buys whatever truffles he doesn't use for himself. And he uh, sells them all the rest to Amir. Well, and it's like uh, a barter system. Like he brings cans of food and things like that. Right, right. So he's and not it, even asking for a lot of money for these things. Right, right, right. Exactly. And and Amir is, I mean, uh, Robin is just one of many of Amir's uh, people that that he, he, he goes to. So 
for example, uh, dairy. Let's let's use dairy again. Oh, actually, I'll just use maple syrup. Some we were using that earlier. Uh, basically, there, there's a lot of small mom and pop maple syrup people that don't have their own company. And what they do is they make their own maple syrup and then they sell it to a bigger company. And then the bigger company releases the jugs to the grocery stores and whatever. And basically what's going on is Amir is the guy that goes around to all the small truffle hunters and farmers and buys all their stuff. And then he's the one that goes to the city and sells it as, as the giant commodity that it is. Um, and Amir, I mean, Robin just happens to be one of, of those many. Um, so and Amir yeah, seems to be doing pretty well. He's got a nice car. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do find out later two things about the two people. Uh, and we'll, we'll bring that up in a second when we throw up the spoiler alert. But you're right. He, he, he looks like he's doing pretty good. Uh, if not super wealthy, he's, he's like the doctor from Eyes Wise Shut. Right. Yeah. So someone that that's that's that level, if not part of the true country club cloud. Um all right, uh, anything else we want to say before we throw up the spoiler and, and get into some details here? No, I think it's time for the spoiler alert. All right, so we're gonna throw up the spoiler alert. So we're gonna talk about everything and anything for folks who are not familiar with the podcast or even are and just giving a refresher. Uh we don't just review uh, the film here on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, but we critique and dissect. Uh, so we go in deep uh, talking about symbolisms and what the screenwriter is trying to mean and, and all that stuff. So so we, we talk about any scene and anything that we really f feel like talking about. Um, so that will... Or whatever meaning we felt we got from it, not even necessarily yeah. what the screenwriters meant to impart to us. That's true, because once a, uh, an art is released to the public, it, it kind of becomes um, owned by the public, even if there was somebody behind it that had their own meanings to it, because it, it really is and becomes whatever anybody wants to talk about. Um, now, um, before we get into uh, the money situation of both Amir and um our friend robin uh i did say it earlier and i never got to say it which was um i know uh you hate when i bring up these type of uh comments but uh taylor swift she does a song <laughs> i don't hate it there are other people that yeah it. maybe other people do it. yeah <laughs> uh taylor, taylor swift uh who's one of my favorite artists uh, she actually wrote a song called 22 and it's basically about her when she was 22 years old or any anybody at that age. And she says it's basically she talks about similar to Charles Dickens, where she says it's the best of times and the worst of times. So we're 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 talking about um, um, stuff like. And I'll read the, the lyric here. Um, it feels like a perfect night. Uh, oh, we're happy and miserable at the same time, confused and lonely at the same time. Uh, it's magical and miserable and, and on and on. So what it is, it's doing contradictions at the same time. And the Nicolas Cage character, as I was trying to bring up Robin, he's heroic and nihilistic all at the same time. And it's an interesting aspect. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is we learn as the movie goes on more and more about his past and why he 
is nihilistic. And then we learn also later that not only is he nihilistic, but he's, he's actually heroic. And heroic meaning uh, someone with a heart of gold. What's your thoughts on that? Did you, in other words, because when we first meet him, he seems like a grump. He seems like he wants to be left alone. He, he treats uh, people such as Amir as 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 basically uh, like like a sociopath almost, where he's forced to deal with them, even though he has no emotion, opinion, or love, or respect, or even hatred. He just doesn't care. He's indifferent, and. And based off of how he's living off the grid, especially when we find out that he's not just some dumb putz or mentally ill person that he appears to be, we learn later, because of his mission in the film, that he's really a man with a heart of gold. Opinions. My wife um, on this. <clears throat> I don't feel that he was nihilistic. What I feel was we didn't have enough information to go on at that point. Yes, I think he wanted to be alone, but he still was able to be in contact with people. You know what I mean? Like he had this contact with Amir. And it was a little self-serving because it was his way of getting resources, right? Um, but I don't think he disliked or necessarily liked Amir at this point. He didn't know Amir very well either, I don't think. They just were business partners, basically. Amir got his truffles, and he got his supplies. Um, and he was quite content to live there with his pig by himself because of what well, he had gone through in his life. Well, you're, pro you're right. Nihilism is a harsh term to use because of its general definition, because if you look at the first definition of the term, it's a viewpoint that traditional values and beliefs are unfounded and that the existence is senseless and useless. Now, existence is senseless and useless most certainly could fit with the Robin character. It could. I, I think he, the nihilism could he, apply to him. It could. But, 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 but the first part of that sentence of nihilism doesn't fit, which is he doesn't believe in traditional values and beliefs. Yeah, that's a little harder I mean, one does, because it's it's hard to say because he does counsel someone to follow their dreams, and you know that is a little bit nihilistic. You're you're not going the preferred route that society wants you to go. So I don't know, and he chose a nihilistic path to go out by himself into the forest and just live with a pig <laughs> well right so what what is the term because i don't want to say dissocial because dissocial means sociopath even if it makes sense because you don't want to be near people but what is the term to call someone that is like robin especially after we discover his history to do to be the person he is today well, because nihilism doesn't work. Well, I don't think he the has a condition. I just think work. he's his. But, but but philosophy. What's the philosophy? What what would it be called? I mean, maybe it doesn't even matter, right? I'm just trying to get yeah. a word for it. But I mean, trying is to... it just depression? Is it just depression? I mean, maybe that's <laughs> it. Maybe, maybe that's all it is. Depression. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's. I don't know that he's depressed even. 
A fatalist? Maybe. Uh, what's another good one? Uh, existential? Uh, actually, I think fatalism may be the best one. And let me read this one to you. A doctrine that events are fixed in advance so that human beings are powerless to change them. A belief in a or attitude determined by this doctrine. And technically, what happens to him is something that he was powerless to change. That's true. A lot of it's bad luck because what happens to him, and since we're in spoilers, let's just talk about it. Yeah. He had a wife who died. We don't know how she died. I think it was cancer, but it, it's never really fully explained yeah. that. Yeah. yeah it, it's inconsequential. However she died, she, she's passed. And when that, and, and usually if you're lucky or, or whatnot, you and your wife will live to a ripe old age. And when the passing does happen, no matter how hard it is, it's at least understandable and, and, and quote unquote fair because that is the, the full process of life. But even though that's powerless too, you can't stop that. At least it wasn't bad luck such as losing someone when they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, actually any age that isn't considered elderly. So, I think he became a fatalist because, and depressed because of not of of somewhat because of the life he was living as that quote unquote fake chef, I guess. But most likely, in, in the number one reason because of the passing of his wife. Well, and I think he loved his wife, but he also realized that you know his job wasn't important. His wife, his the loss of his wife was what was important, and so nothing, everything else paled in comparison. So he didn't want to live the way he had been living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, as we know, you, you know, first of all, no matter how great or well remembered you are, once you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. Second thing is, a lot of times that will eventually fade. Because do how many authors do we know from 1850? Maybe right, a handful. Well, nowadays you know you have Patricia Cromwell and you have Stephen King and you have you know on and on and on. But only a handful of those authors will ever be remembered in 150 years from now. So anybody from that era, then 1850. So in other words, in other words, a lot of it is fleeting. So even if you are successful, it's fleeting. But also, it's like you said is and, and actually let me use this quote and i forget who said it i think it might have been my father but he probably stole it from somebody which is just look at any cemetery and you see hundreds of thousands of people that have been replaced by somebody else yeah so in other words and then i made a joke with my father once when he retired he worked at a company for 40 years and uh or actually it may have been 50 years and i said to him uh 10 years after that i go that no one probably remembers that you were even there 10 years later because of the turnover or whatever. So no yeah. matter what contributions he did for 50 years at that, and I was just doing it to be a wise ass to him, but he, he got the point. And I think you're right that Robin, first of all, he probably wasn't living his true dream as a chef, even though we, we never really figure it out. 
At least I didn't. You may you may be able to explain. No, I don't. I don't think we ever know whether he was living his dream or not. But we do know that his real dream was the time that he spent with his wife. Yep, and she was no longer there, so he wanted to find a new life. That's right. That's right. And that new life was pulling out of society completely. And that's the, the, new, the other thing I want to say, and the reason why I threw up the spoiler, which is you said Amir is doing pretty well. But we do learn appears two things. Appears to be doing pretty well. well appears well, to be. Well, 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 it depends on your definition of well. Because yeah. financially-wise, we – I'm I'm convinced that Robin, living off the grid, he's still uh, f- fairly wealthy. Yeah. I bet you he, I bet you he has good chunk of change, maybe even seven figures, low seven figures, uh, or high six figures in the bank somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't even have a shower. <laughs> right. He doesn't need. He doesn't have any of that stuff. Not but. Based off of what we discover later in the film, he was pretty high profile and he did not seem like a stupid person that would have just blew his money. So he's independently wealthy and yet he looks like a bum or a homeless person. And then we have Amir who is not truly successful in the eyes of say his father. Even himself because he measures himself by his father. Right. What his father says. But by anybody else, they would say he's pretty successful. And he's also, with that car and clothes or whatnot, he's, and no matter his relationship with his father, he's still silver spooned. Oh, yeah. So both of our characters are doing pretty good with themselves when it comes to money. But they're living very differently. <laughs> That's right. And one of them, pro- may, one of them, we don't know how he if he just earned it. I mean, again, we don't even know if if Nicolas Cage character came from money. We don't know anything about his childhood. We just know about him now and then his history in Portland as a chef. But Amir, we know that he he, he was born silver spoon right from the beginning. Even yeah. if his father and was. It was a jerk, and his and, the, and therefore the marriage, and his mother became depressed. But we'll we'll get into all that. What um, I find interesting is so when he talks, when Robin talks to that other chef, he gives him a life lesson with words. But with Amir, he gives him many life lessons through what he does and how he acts. And it changes true. it changes Amir throughout the film, and and. Up to the very end. And I think he makes Amir a better person because of it. Well, and and, and uh, this, is, this is a silly film, but I want to bring it up. And I haven't seen it for a long time, so I'm going to be way off. But I think it was called Notting Hill, starring Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Yeah. Yep. And there's a scene where they – obviously they meet and they fall in love and they start, or they just start dating – and the difference, the thing is, is that Hugh Grant is just a regular guy, while Julia Roberts is supposed to be a famous movie actress. And the the analogy here is, as people begin to learn that, oh my God, that's the famous actress. Here, the analogy is, Amir is with this guy that he thinks is mentally ill and crazy 
and then slowly begins to find out that holy shit, this 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 guy is a superstar, and I'm yeah. like a superstar, and and he's everything, and yet he decided to toss it away because it didn't mean anything. Yep. And I and I think those type of lessons that he learns, like you said, through actions and through through stuff like that, from because Nicolas Cage isn't even trying to, at least at the beginning, isn't trying to give him life lessons for his Amir's sake. Right. He just is doing it. Yeah. He's just doing it because of his mission. And let's get into that mission. But before we do, anything else you want to say about that before we we, we we switch over to the mission? No, we can switch to the mission. Okay, let's do that. So basically what happens is one night people break into Robin's shack, club him over the head with a shovel, leave him for basically dead. I would have I mean, I mean, if you club someone that hard and you just leave, you're, that's pretty bad. Yeah. And in the process, they steal the pig now the pig and let me get the name of that pig uh i don't know if there is a name do, do you i don't, I don't, I don't think, think he had a name for think, it yeah i don't I think, think he just is. calls it pig i want yeah. my pig yeah so where we immediately are um brought, brought to believe that the pig is very valuable because it supposedly can hunt down truffles, and if you it have, turns out it's a MacGuffin, right? <laughs> really? Yes. yes. <laughs> so we'll discuss that in a moment. It, it, it has use. Yes, and it's not useless because, because, for sure. Because it, because it it is able to dig up the truffles, but it's implied for a long time that the pig is the 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 being that can actually find the truffles and if you have something that can find truffles then that's something that's valuable because that means you're as we discussed you know you make two ounces of truffle oil that's that's you know 15 to 20 dollars so if you have something that can actually get truffles then you have something that's going to make you a hell of a lot of money. And that's what's implied. Yep. So Amir is the first person that Robin goes to because of two reasons. One, Robin has a vehicle and is probably the only person that he really associates with at this point anyway. And two, because Robin is from Portland, and that's important. And but somewhat he, in the scene. Somewhat in the that, scene. Yeah. Dealing with the truffles. That's right. Well, that's my third thing. It's like I thought, I forgot. There's actually a third reason. And the third reason is he knows all the other truffle farmers and, 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 uh, you know, whatever the people are that find truffles. So if he's going to find his pig, and he, and, and this is the thing is that he immediately thinks that the pig was stolen because it can find truffles. When I was watching the film, I actually thought it was stolen by maybe homeless people or, or poor people who just wanted a meal. Hmm. So I, I, I was, I still wasn't sure until very late in the film, if the pig had been 
the whole journey was for nothing and that it was going to be found out that it was just homeless people that took the pig. Because I've heard about that where people will, you know, break into, you know, people's farms and steal chickens or goats or whatever and, and, you know, they, yeah. they eat them. <laughs> so that's what I thought because oh, here's this homeless guy that lives a pig. The pig's pretty big. If we steal it, we got ourselves pork chops for the next six months, bacon, whatever. So, I, I, but either way, I was completely wrong. So it was, I will just drop that and we'll go with, so the whole plot is that somebody stole the pig because it can find truffles or at least they think it can find truffles. And so Robin wants to go and get that pig back. And we, another MacGuffin is the reason why he's going after the pig, Mm -hmm. which is, is it because he can find the truffles or is it because it's his pet and he loves his pet just as, as you love your cats. I love my dog and, and whatnot. Um, so what, what do we want to discuss here? I, I, I've talked a little bit. I've thrown out a lot of ideas. Well, so, well, first he goes to that restaurant. Um, he, he tries to take his truck and it breaks down. <laughs> he has, he has a little bit of gas that he puts in it. And so he starts driving and then it breaks down. And he has to walk the rest of the way. And he gets to this restaurant and to put this in perspective, he is dirty as crap. He does not have a shower. He probably hasn't showered in years and his clothes are all dirty. He's hurt from getting bashed over the head and he walks into a restaurant. So of course people are looking at him a little weird. Um, And finally he gets a phone from them and he, that's when he gets to call Amir and Amir shows up. Um, and Amir, you know, up to this point, I think I sent you a text saying Amir's a dick. Yes. He seems like a dick in the beginning. He's just he, not. He, he, he is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and then nice. I wrote back, I wrote back, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I think it's right. right. Yeah. Um, so they, that's how they start working together. And interestingly enough, Amir's pretty helpful really. Um, cause he's driving him around all over the place, but they first go to a truffle farmer a woman. Um, actually, the actress is Gretchen Corbett. I think uh, she was um, in the Rockford, Rockford Files back in the day. Um, and uh, she, when she finds out who he is, this is the first first bit we get where they t- you see how much respect he has because they say his name, and she immediately gets up and goes to help them and takes them somewhere. Right. So this is the first time that we discover that Robin isn't just some homeless Cook. guy in the woods that, that that's just trying to make a couple of bucks uh, by finding truffles. Yep. Or obviously a kook. Yeah, obviously people know who he is and that garners respect just knowing who he is. Right, right. And I think this this may be the most interesting part of the whole film. And, and that's that's a bold thing to say because there's a lot of interesting parts of this film. But to discover that this guy, Robin, is someone of, of importance after we, we learn has disappeared for 15, 15 years. 15 years, yeah. Uh, is is kind of amazing. It's It's kind of an interesting, if not an original idea, but it's definitely a 
uh, I mean, uh, it's not original, but it's something else. It's um, very unique. Yeah. Maybe that's the term. I'm um, and to actually get it right in, in a movie or a book, that, that, that it's done well here. It really and, is. And it tells you that he's not just known for being a chef. He's known because he was a good person. Right. It's beyond just being a chef. He was a good person, and people remember that. Right. Yeah, that's true. Because they don't do the things they do from fear. They do it because they either loved him, quote unquote, love as as you know you, you would love a yeah. friend, or respected him. And again, not respect because you know he's 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 a mobster, but respected him because of his accomplishments and his his work and his his deeds. So and they understand the tragedy that enveloped his life and what caused him to disappear. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, a, a lot of people deal with things differently. Um, and a death can most certainly change one's life. So I, I don't want to use use a, a different analogy. So I'll just I'll just talk about it here, which is it's almost like for for him, the lo- death of his wife was was to the point of like total uh what's the term for a soldier or someone that has had a tragic event ptsd is that that ptsd one of them yeah ptsd ptsd yeah so it's like some people would be devastated and yet still be able to move on while other people would would have their lives completely shattered and either way I, I would never pass judgment on either type, you know, because again, people are going to deal with things and, and some people just be able to deal with it better than others. And w- another way that you deal with it is just fine because it is a, a, a very emotional thing. Now the difference is, it appears they didn't have children. Right. So it wasn't like he had to, you know, hold his ground because I have someone else that depends on me. So he was able to deal with it in this way, which is throw everything away and just disappear off yep. the grid. Um, but either way, yeah, he's a very sad person because of that. Um, no, and meanwhile, he's not talking a lot either up through this point. He starts talking more and more as the film goes by. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and a lot of it's because he has to. Yeah, yeah, to get his mission accomplished. Right, right. And again, that mission is he's looking for his pick. And that's the thing is, is that if you just read that plot, a man has his pig stolen and he's out to get revenge or out to find his pig. And that's not stupid, but <laughs> when you when, when you look at it both ways, the MacGuffin or the railway, it makes complete sense because oh yeah, if the pig can find truffles. That's thousands of thousands of dollars of value that you that that and people would want that pig. If it's for the love of the animal as part of his family, that makes sense too. So. 
once you start watching the film, within 10 minutes after the pig's kidnapping or disappearance, it's not, it's not something to laugh at at all. It makes complete sense. It's, well, it's, and they do a good job in the beginning of the film of making you feel the trust and love that pig has for him. Right. Because it follows yeah, him absolutely. around. It comes to his command. Uh, they sleep next to each other. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you can feel it. And it doesn't take a lot of time in the film to get you to feel that either. No, no. And and a, a lot of people aren't as familiar with, with pigs, you know, if you don't live in a farm or, or whatnot. But pigs are smarter than dogs. Yep. Are arguably the most smartest animal of all the domesticated animals. And they are... Uh, nesting animals so even though people see them always in mud and all that that's just for cooling they don't shit they don't shit where they eat or they sleep so i I mean obviously if they're in a pen that's 10 by 10 there's nothing you can do (laughs) but but if they were on in the field with the horses and whatnot they're they're going to do uh they're not going to you know, they're going to just have this little area that they would do their deeds and that's it. So they clean, very clean animals. Wasn't the pig, the smart one in animal farm. There's both of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They were the smartest animals in animal farm too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And, um, the other thing about pigs too, is that, um, as we see with the veterinarian's pot belly pig, um, people can actually have them as indoor pets. Um, so, they do have personalities and they're not just like a goat or a chicken or something that just happens to be in your yard. So, so unlike all those type of animals, they aren't grazing animals, they're nesting animals and they're smarter and they're also cleaner and therefore it can actually become pets. And in some countries and even some parts of the United States are, are permitted as pets. Um, so your point of how him and his pig were very close and how his pig followed him and acted just like a dog or a cat would to him uh, makes it even more, um, I guess, realistic that he would go out out looking for his pig. I mean, if someone stole your cat or someone stole my dog, I'd be fucking pissed and I'd be going after him too. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind the value, you know? Yeah. So, um, all right. So, so yeah, yeah. So so this woman that used to be on the Rockford Files, she hooks them up with these two, I guess, meth heads um, that happen to be petty criminals that sell her truffles, and and because of of she heard about a pig missing and all that, she she knew it was them immediately. And that, this was the first time of the film that I knew that this film was going to be different than John Wick, because at that moment. If this was going to be a John Wick, those people were dead. Right, exactly, and they're they're not. <laughs> no, no, and, and it's odd too. He's not even angry at them. I mean, he's angry. I mean, he's angry at the act, but he's not angry at. No, he just wants his pig back. Yeah, it's a yeah. very simple motivation. He wants his pig back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no vengeance here. There's no. Um, um, justice needed. He just wants his pig back, he, and that's it. He doesn't even care that he was hit in the head with a shovel left for dead. So exactly, it's, it's remarkable. So they say that they sold the pig 
Some someone guy, in Portland. Right? Yeah. yeah. Someone someone in Portland that's in Portland. And they can't even really explain them because, you know, these are just two, you know, uh, I don't want to use the, the, the term, but I'm going to have to. Just two trailer trash people. And so, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, hey, I just wanted money, man. I don't know what, it, you know, whatever. So <laughs> this woman and guy just go, yeah, yeah we don't know what yet. We, we can't help you otherwise. But this is where we find out kind of who um, Robin really is because he says we're going to Portland. Amir is completely confused. He's going, what the hell's, what are you talking about? He goes, I know it's, I know where to go. So at that point, what did you think? I was thinking he was maybe this was something to do with the mob. Um, I you know I was just seeing this. I, I know you know I've watched a lot of things about truffles and I know how high end they are. I wasn't really thinking mob, but I was definitely thinking that there was someone running a restaurant trying to you know get the truffles, and that they were behind it all, and that it was somebody high up in the restaurant scene, and that's why he wanted to go to Portland since he was familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a good point. I, I, I still was kind of clueless, and I was thinking maybe Robin was even part of the mob. And so, like you said, someone in Portland wanted a pig that was worth thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, that this was mob-related. And if he knew it was in Portland, then it was mob people that he may have used to work with and that maybe was the reason why he was living in the middle of nowhere now and he was off the grid because he wanted to leave the mob life so i i was at that point when i saw it was was into the film i was still thinking that well and you know it could still be like an organized crime i just wasn't thinking mob like i was thinking someone cornering the market on truffles (laughs) (laughs) Which could still be, you know, somebody extra legal that's not doing things the right way. And obviously they're not. They stole his pig. Oh, yeah, they're definitely criminals. Yeah, they're definitely criminals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, All right. So, uh, all right. Where do we want to go now? Again, we don't have to go scene by scene. No, uh, no. But, you know, we can throw out stuff. But let's talk about the first guy. Um, that he meets, and and this this is two spots. This is, this two is spots. a weird scene, I thought. Um, well, th- this is the part that was the John Wick scene, where you know the the hotel of of spies. This is like yeah. like the underground chef club that. I mean, so so when I read reviews, this is the part they said it was the most surreal of the film, and in a world. It, it, to, to suspension of disbelief in a film that creates a world it's the only part of the film that is and again i'll just use the term word again surreal yeah it, it, it is it really is it doesn't it's just it's very odd he finds a hole in the wall that he obviously knew about Yep. And he goes down to this secret lair where people are doing a fight club type thing. Right, but this, what is, I, after, this is after the guy told him that you're... you're yeah, you're, you're no you're, longer relevant. Nope. Yeah, right? exactly. But, yeah. He, but he knew that this guy would have information from him, and he wasn't going to let it go. So continue what you're saying. So yeah, so the underground... Yeah, uh, so he finds this underground area, because the guy won't talk to him where they're... They're in a restaurant, right? And the guy won't really give him any info. Right. Right. So he goes and finds this hole in a wall that leads down to this well, area where they're doing Fight Club. 
Right. And it's interesting, too, because he says we're going to the Portland something hotel. And yes. Amir says, I live here. There's no such thing. And he goes, there was. <laughs> and when they leveled it, they never filled in the basement. Yeah. So the basement. So it's basically like, you know, like, uh, you know, when you think of uh, subway stations, they close down, but they don't fill them in. And then the homeless just moves in or whatever. It's something like that. But well, it, and the it, hole in the wall is in a, in a kitchen in the restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. At, at least some restaurant. I don't know. If some restaurant. Actually, yeah, I don't know if it's actually. The same. I think it was. No, it was like the Chinese restaurant, right? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah. So he and obviously so, knew about it, right? Because this guy didn't tell him that this hole was there. He just goes to right. it after the guy won't give him any information and says yes, you're right. not relevant. Right. Right. So he 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 moves like some. Um, uh, shelves that have you know like Chinese sauces and all that crap, and behind it is a um, I guess a, uh, a, a an entrance that leads to this basement of this old hotel that was being used back fifteen years ago. Never mind now. Yeah, yeah, good point. A, underground fight club that isn't really a fight club it was really just how much punishment can you stand before you fall that's what i found out about it so yeah you just stand there and you take the punishment (laughs) and if you beat 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 it you win money yeah and people and and the thing is is that i think it is weird but i think it is good because they went this route because again, they're trying to make Robin look like a man of with that's that's actually like a man of a gold, hot of gold type of guy. So, not that boxing is a bad thing, but if they had a boxing match where he participated in, he would have actually done violence, even if it's in sport. He would be doing violence in the film when. This whole film, he does not do one violent action at all. So having him be just a guy that is taking the abuse to see how long he can take it makes him not betray the character that the writer and director were trying to portray, which is he's not a violent person. Agreed. And, well, it's funny because he goes down there and that guy that he was talking to is down there already and he's running the events, right? That's right. Exactly. (laughs) But I never really heard them making a deal for getting the information, but he just gets in there and gets pummeled for a while. And then he does get the information. So obviously he won whatever. Well, well, what happened was, if you remember, he goes in there and he gives his name because he writes it down on the wall and everybody's like shocked. It's like, oh, my God, that's him. Because, again, he has a he, he looks he's dressed like a bum. He has a beard, uh, you know, like a, like a, got grizzly a smell. Ad- yeah, a smell. <laughs> he has a grizzly Adams beard. He looks like a homeless person. So he doesn't look like the clean cut chef that he was 15 years prior. So but he has blood coming down his head, too. Right. From yeah. Yeah. Because, he, yeah. Ball. Yeah. He, <laughs> ne- he never washed that or or, or had that sewed up so when he writes that down everybody's amazed and all the respect comes back into the room and it appears that maybe he used to do these fights back in the day probably to support you know get money to pay for things or who knows and he gets pummeled and i think it's just because of the 
dignity and respect they used to have for him, even if he is quote unquote irrelevant now. That's the reason why this jerk that didn't give him the information earlier that's running this underground fight thing decides to give it to him at that point. Yeah, that could be. That sounds reasonable. Um, Yeah, because he does take a beating. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So that leads to that. What what does this lead to? Oh, I know. The chef. Yeah. Other yeah, chef. Yeah. But before we get into that scene, there's another important scene that I want to bring up. And I don't know if it happened before or after, but it was pretty important where he goes to this house. He leaves the mayor and he goes to this house. Oh, that's a great scene. It's it's the best scene of the film, I think. Yeah. It really is. And thank God they didn't have like the mother or father come out and say, I know, I was I was really worried about that and they yeah. didn't do it, so I was very glad. Yeah, so basically what happens is – yeah, why don't you explain that? Explain that. I, I, so he goes kind of on a walkabout, um, and he's, he actually goes to his old house that he used to live at, and he's just kind of wandering around. And he goes around the house, and he sees a little kid playing a little drum-like device um, that makes some cool, cool uh, music. Um, and he walks up to the kid and sits down. And it's in the backyard, too. So Yeah, it's in the backyard. This backyard. It's not like you're just walking down the street on the sidewalk and you see someone in the front yard. And he says, hey. Yeah, so. Anyway, and he, he looks can, like a bum. Yeah, right, a right, right. Bum. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, yeah. He's got, he's got blood all over him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he sits next to the kid, and the kid asks him if it hurts. And he's like, yeah. And then the kid, th- this kid is so innocent, and he asks him if he wants to play the instrument. And he hands the instrument over, and he plays with it a little bit, and he gives it back to the kid, and they just have this nice discussion. Um, he tells him that he used to live there, and um, it's it's just a beautiful scene. The the kid does a great job. He does a great job with the kid. It's just it's a perfect scene to show his humanity and how he's still there, even though he had been living in the woods for so long. He's still. He has empathy for fellow humans and just, you know, genuine love for people. Yeah, and it was really good that it's it's a child because yeah. first of all, the child's innocent. So and, and and not wise in the ways of the world. And if it was an adult or or a teenager, the first thing they would have said, get the hell out of my property, or you're a bum, or yep. you're this, this. While the 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 child being innocent person that he is, no matter what this character meaning Robin looks like or smells like or whatever, there is no judgment. All there is, is, um, innocence. Yeah. And, and, and so it's really, really a effective scene for that reason. Never mind that we begin to learn a little more about Robin and that this was the life he had prior, which is this, he had a, a, uh, the white picket fence life that and a persimmon tree that was gone. And he talks about the persimmons and tells them how, you know, the tannin leaving the persimmons, that's when they're, you know, edible and whatever. That's it's, right. It's just a great scene. And there's some, one point where they're just sitting next to each other silent and you're looking at them and it's just, it's a great, it's great. It really is. It's, it's a fantastic scene. And um, it's, it's both, Beautiful and um, heartbreaking at the same time. Another one of those um, contradictions that, that that this whole movie has throughout 
it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to keep on saying amazing, but it's, you summed it up. You said it It is. It's amazing scene. Absolutely amazing. Well, and it shows, it shows new life and old life next to each other. And it shows how life, life goes on, even though he's left and he's gone off to nowhereville. There's a new kid there and a kid growing up and a new family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and also it makes me kind of think of, and I don't mean to bring up, the religious aspect, but you know, if co-host Kevin was here, I would have thrown it out anyway because he he would have brought it up. It almost makes his character, meaning uh, Robin, like a Christ figure in a sense that there's never anger or vengeance. It's always happiness or sadness. Yeah. In other words, if if he's ever angry. It, let me rephrase that. If it was another person who would be angry in that situation that wants justice or vengeance or whatever for Robin, it's not anger, justice, or vengeance. It's simply sadness. Well, he does get angry at one point in the movie um, very soon, um, and it's the only time he gets angry, and he gets over it. But there's no violence. There is no violence. It's no, and none this, at all. Is, this is this is why I, I wanted to bring up the Christ aspect again too, because if we remember, and again, I'm, I'm not as familiar with the Bible as, as someone like co-host Kevin is when he joins us, but there's a scene where Jesus gets angry at the taxman. Yes, and yet it, it's short-lived, similar to. Here, so in other, in other well, words, it might not be anger. I might be using the wrong word. He might be disappointed. <laughs> that might be yeah. the better word for it. Right. And, and which scene are you referring to? First off, uh, with the mirror, when he finds out how. Oh yeah. The pig is found out. Yeah, because that's almost like a betrayal. Yeah, and it, it it is, it, but you know, he realizes it, at some point that it wasn't that it was all innocent on a mirror's part. Right. Well, and that's why. Yeah, it is. Initially, an anger, but I think it go. It, it also turns back into sadness as well. Because yeah. here's someone that kind of betrayed me. And yet, he also understands that the reason for the betrayal, and therefore the anger subsides quickly, is because he understands that Amir has his own inner and personal demons. That kind of make Amir do things that he otherwise wouldn't have done. Yeah, Amir's trying to live up to what his father thinks he should be doing. Right. And, and, and he so also... he's basically telling his dad he's trying to be proud of what he's doing, so he tells him about this connection that he has and how he's getting truffles and he's got this great pig and that's not right. on purpose. He's not giving the pig away so that his dad will do something. No, but he's doing it for, for respect and love from his father. Exactly, which he's never going to get. Right, and and that's the thing. There's two things about Amir's childhood, never mind his, his life as an adult. And, and there are two inner demons that follow him forever. Though maybe by the end of the film, it, it'll subside a bit. But one is... His father, he can't get the respect or love from his father because his father thinks he's, you know, a fuck up or stupid or whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, which Amir is not any of those things. He may not be um, 
the Albert Einstein or Thomas Edison of cooking, but or marketing or or, or whatever. But he's he's definitely not a fuck up. He's just no. And even his dad gives him respect when he's talking to Robin. He's like, yeah, he did. He is doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but he, it's just that he's not as good as his father when it comes to business sense. Right. So, Really, do you want to be that man when when he's a criminal, you know? But but because he did, you know he's the guy that's we're, we're going to eventually find out stole the pig. But thing is, also he was a dink to his wife. Yes. Because, and again, we don't know enough. You know, maybe the wife was a jerk. Maybe he just he cheated on her. Maybe he was just too busy for. We don't know enough, but we do know enough that the and the wife may have been predispositioned with behavioral health issues in the first place. But we do know that he didn't do enough. And the wife, whatever dreams that she had, even with a youngster, it didn't matter. And she was willing to attempt suicide. because After wife, that meal, after that meal they had. Right. Because it was like a bittersweet, perfect moment that she knew was never going to happen again. It would never last. It would never last. And and so she she suicides because once that perfect moment ends, the the sadness becomes depression. Yeah, it was like the meal was an illusion and the food helped the illusion be more real. Right. Exactly. And and it's like she woke up and says, Oh my god. It's never going to be better than that, and that feeling will never come back again. So Amir has his own personal demons for sure. Um, because he also re- – Amir remembers it as this perfect moment as well because they came back happy for a change. Right, right. And you From know, this meal. Yeah, and, and you know, he's probably at that time uh, a little kid. So – he just can't believe that he sees his parents seem to like have a great time and he was there and all this. So this is an important moment in his life, you know? So, so you're absolutely right. Um, and we should mention that Robin is the one that cooked the meal. I, I think that we didn't say that explicitly, but it, it, he cooked the meal. So it's an interconnectedness here. That's right. That's right. And I'm curious whether or not he knew Amir. I don't think Amir knew who Robin was as a chef, never mind that this was the chef that cooked that meal. It was only after he found that out, especially when he talks about his mother's death and all this other, which we find out isn't a death. She's basically brain dead. That um, happens after he, uh, Nicholas Cage is at the house. He goes and stays the night at a mirror's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. 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 And he admits, and that's when they come to the conclusion. That's like, I, sir, I, we don't even know if um, if Robin – yeah, yeah, we have to know Robin knows about it. So it's Amir that didn't know Robin was the chef until that moment, I think. Right. When when, when they're sitting there and, and whatnot. But if we go back a moment, so we're, we're back, we, after the underground fight, he gets the information he wants, which leads to this fancy restaurant in Portland. But that's – after the night he stays at Amir's place, right? Yeah, the first time, right? Yeah, he stays at Amir's that night. They have the yeah. French toast or whatever, and he tells him, get a reservation at this restaurant. Right. And <laughs> Amir is like, I can't do that. That's First of all, 
it, it's exclusive. And second of all, us us um, truffle people or or whatever you know, salesmen, whatever whatever he does, can't aren't supposed to go to the restaurants of of competitors. And the competitor, unfortunately, happens to be his father. Uh, so just his dad has a table there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that just shows you the the, the problems between the father and son. Um, but what's his face said? No, you you got to get it. You you, you got to get the, the the table. So Amir has to go off and do get the table where he throws out the name of Robin, and that's how he gets the table. And during that period is when Robin's going to his old house where his wife and he yes. used to live. Yep. Yep. So, the, so those two scenes pretty much happen at the same time. And then that leads where they get back together and they go to the restaurant together. And this is the probably one of the most important scenes of the films as well. Yeah. But what happens there? So they get served this interesting food that's covered by a glass um, bowl almost um, with smoke inside it, and I don't know what the food is to be honest. I, I I was more focused on the smoky glass and that there was food in there, but it, she goes through this long list of what everything is, and everything is like a, a quarter size, three quarter size things to eat. They're really small, and that's everything that's on the plate. Yeah, and and it's one of those fancy restaurants where everything is probably a la carte, you know, so yep. you, you spend like 30 bucks just for the main course. And the main course is just the main course, you know, the, the piece of meat. And then you have to spend another 10 to 15 bucks for the potato and another 10 to 15 bucks for uh, the star. I mean, uh, the green, you know, and on and on and on. So Meanwhile, he's times. still got blood on his forehead and still wearing the stinky clothes. Right, right, right. And and no one's coming up to him and saying, you guys got to get out of here because, again, to get the reservation there is almost impossible. So if they got the reservation, there's no way the maitre d' or the waitress or the waiter or the busboy or the janitor, for that matter, is going to throw those people out, even though he's, he's dressed like a bum. Um, and... Most of the and all the people in the restaurant don't really pay attention to them either. And I Not thought at all. Was, I yeah. thought that was good because yeah. they, they could have gone where the, you know they could have these wealthy snobs saying, "Oh my God, look at these filthy people!" You know, but they didn't do that. They, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, there was not even a side glance. Maybe there was before the scene started, you know, you know, if they had filmed it as they walked into the restaurant and sat down and all this other stuff, maybe they would have showed that, but either way, that's all past. And uh, we don't have to deal with that extra unnecessary thing of what this movie's really about. So we didn't have to go through that. So that was, which I'm glad of. I, I'm glad yeah. it focused on his mission and his yeah. relationship with Amir, which is basically exactly. the crux of the whole movie. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Cause he's like, we said is becoming a, uh, a, a father figure almost to Amir. Um, so w let's see where we're going to talk about. Okay, Nicholas so Cage eats one piece and then he tells the, the waitress that he wants to talk to the chef. She asks right. him how it was and he basically just says that. So that would imply that he wasn't happy, but right. I don't think that was it at all. No, of course not. Uh, but we did forget one other important scene before this. 
uh, where he he said Alex, Alex uh, or let me just use the character's name. Amir says, "Why don't you just get another pig, dude? Don't worry about it." <laughs> yes. And and and, he, and then this is when he tells the, the truth, and we find out about the MacGuffin. I love this pig. <laughs> yeah, he goes. He goes. This. He goes. He says this. He goes. You know, the, the pig wasn't even needed to find truffles. How you find truffles is by looking at a way the certain tr- the tree is growing and how the sun hits the ground. You know, all this other stuff. He says. And Amir is like amazed. And he goes, it's like, why did we do all this? <laughs> right. So if you don't need the pig, what's the big deal? You know, we don't have to do this. And and it, it's brilliant too because you have to, you learn two things from this. The first thing you learn is that Robin is a prodigy. This guy is not just a fluke. He is a smart dude. So. If he could find the truffles himself and he knows how to do it and no one other people don't know how to do it like he does, that's 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 brilliant. Yep. The second thing is is we find out the truth about the pig, which is you don't understand. I I don't want the pig for for revenge or for justice or because it's mine. I want the pig because I love her. And no other pig would serve that purpose. <laughs> it would just right, be another right, pig. Well, and I think, <laughs> right, right. And, and Amir is smart enough, and, and the scene works really well. You, you know, it sounds like it's kind of silly, but it works really good because you can see in Amir's thought process, as well as how Nicolas Cage says it, that this is, think of, your, your if you're a pet owner, you know, your dog or your cat, is is important to you is probably your spouse and a lot of a lot of people I, I've met people with they say my, my dog I, I love more than my spouse so it's it's not anything that doesn't make sense because when an animal becomes part of the family they actually become part of the family it's like almost yep. adopting a child or or birthing a child so the scene really comes through that way and it's as believable as you can get because well and the two actors pull it off really well yeah yeah and even if they couldn't you know maybe someone who doesn't understand the love a person has for their pet would laugh you know say it was well they're sociopaths yeah (laughs) they're behavioral health people yeah there you go there you go so 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 yeah so i I think we can move on i i I think we we understood people understand what we're talking about so we now know that he just wants the pig back because he loves the pig it's his pet yep um so the pig was stolen for for no reason because it can't it's it's not the miracle thousand ten thousand dollar ten or you know whatever amount of money that someone could get for the pig because it can't really do what everybody thinks it can do well so, i think it can probably find the truffles he just doesn't need the pig to find the truffles yeah right 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 and even, yeah. even but I, I again think the main reason he had the pig wasn't even to find the truffles it was just to dig them up and to have company yeah exactly. with that Companion. company came love that's right that's right so um we're back at the restaurant so yeah let's now get back to the restaurant so the, the chef comes out you know, obviously he's probably worried. Oh my God, I'm going to have someone that's going to say, you know, I'm going to have to explain, apologize. You know, I'm sorry, the meal wasn't appropriate, blah, 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 you know, that crap. So 
Wait, go ahead, explain this. What, what's going on here? This is this is a really great scene. Yeah, so they both they recognize each other. Um, the chef had worked with him at one point, and Robin had fired him. Um, I, I forget exactly what the reason was that he got fired. Do you remember it? Yeah, I wish I remember. Um, it was it was kind of legit. It was legit, but it was one of those things where you just got fired because you're inexperienced, basically. Yeah. Like, you're new to the scene, and you don't really know any better, so you're getting fired for that. (laughs) Yeah. um, And it wasn't like... it wasn't like anything personal either. It was a legitimate reason. So yes. So for whatever reason, he gets he it got fired after just a couple of months working under the chef. And yet, the, the, even though he got fired, he it seems like the chef never took it personally because just getting to write on your resume that you worked for Robin Feld is probably Worth enough it, to, yeah. to help you. So it it wasn't as devastating as one would think it sounds. Well, and it's interesting because after, after 15 years of being out of the business, Nicholas Cage still remembers him and remembers his hopes and dreams. Right. Right. And this is another reason why his character is kind of a prodigy. Yeah. Because he can kind of, he just knows things. He He only worked with this guy a month and he knew this guy wanted to open his own pub. Right. Not just a pub. But an English pub, so like yeah, an English pub. You know, I don't know. I know there've been there's a couple uh, around, and they may actually be in other states too. But like in Boston, there's Elephant and Castle, is is a well known or was back in the day when I was single looking for girls, and I used to go to Boston all the time. Uh, Elephant and Castle uh, was a well known English pub, and it's still there. Um, That served all sorts of uh things that you would find well at a, at an English pub and and for example uh to explain what we're talking about here um I'm going to bring up the menu and I'm going to read some of the stuff off it uh and it actually has some damn good food too um and examples of the food here uh assuming the menu hasn't changed since I was a kid or kid meaning in my 20s uh steak and mushroom pie shepherd's pie cheesy leek and potato pie um what else uh very british foods <laughs> yeah exactly so if in boston it, it's it's well known enough and upscale enough and yet inexpensive enough that it became a re- it's a really nice restaurant, a pr- really good restaurant that, that a lot of young folk and older folk would go to. So this kid here, or now he's not a kid, this chef here, his dream, and he told it to Nicolas Cage's character when he was a kid, that 15 years ago or 20 years ago, whenever it was, that when he was experienced enough and had the money enough, he wanted to open up his own version of basically the elephant and castle where he would serve this type of food, the British food, as you mentioned. And that was his life dream. And yet he's not doing that. He's instead making these meals with smoke in a glass cover and all this other stuff. And then this is where Nicholas Cage t- says his speech. And we said a little bit earlier, but do you remember it offhand? I probably uh, should have wrote it down about basically how these people don't even know who he is and that it, none of this is real. And you should, the crux of what he was saying was that he should have followed his dream or he should go do his dream now and not keep doing this, what he's currently right. doing. 
Right, right. So yeah, exactly. So it, and it, and and you can see that the 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 chef is sad, very, because <laughs> he's thinking back, and he knows that all that's true. That and, and you know, it's funny is that even if even if it's all true that these people don't know who he is and whatever, and he's got the money, and 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 you know they know his restaurant. I I th- I think he knows life would be so much better if he just did follow his dreams, which was open that pub. He'd be that truly he happy, be. whereas here he's just a chef. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that's true. I mean, I mean, um, you can you talk about that and all sorts of things. Whether it's basically what it is, it's like when you you know you look back. And it was this girl you knew, and it's like, oh, I could have married her, and I didn't. Or you look back, and it's like, oh, I could have been that profession, and I always wanted to, but I didn't. Or, you know, on and on and on. So, you know, all those things. And and no matter how, quote, unquote, happy you are today, everybody has some of those. And this guy, it just came, you know, boom, on, on on his yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't thought uh, thought about it until that moment, and yeah. it all gets on his shoulders like a bunch of weights. Exactly, exactly. And this is where he finds out who stole the pig, because this guy knows, and basically we find out it's Amir's father. But before we move on to that stuff, is there anything else we want to talk about this important scene? Uh I don't know if there's... It's just an interesting scene because you have basically three age groups. Yeah. You have the kid who's just coming into his own. You've got the middle-aged guy that's just become a big chef. You know, he's now popular, big, whatever. And then you've got Nicolas Cage who realizes the, the value of, you know, going after your dreams rather than doing what's popular. And Indeed. they all have their different stories, you know. <laughs> well, and that's that's where I'm beginning to think that Nicolas Cage. I may have been wrong earlier when we I said that Nicolas Cage may have not been following his dreams. I think he was, after all. Maybe he did want to be that French chef. And the, the problem was is when his wife died, he he knew noticed that his his dreams didn't even really matter, right? Because his real dream was the white picket fence with the wife, and when that got shattered, the other dreams weren't as important. So actually, I, I don't think he even cared what type of chef he was. He just wanted to be a nice chef. The real thing was his wife. Yep. You know? And he was just like you said, a prodigy. He was just so good that he couldn't then, avoid being great at it. Exactly. Exactly. Well. Well. Well said exactly so no matter what he was going to be found um unless he purposely didn't try right yeah um what really mattered was his his wife um all right so since we've been recording for a good hour and 50 minutes uh we should probably start wrapping up quick and and really there's i mean there's a couple other scenes where he meets his old bakery chef that worked for him the one that built makes the bread and stuff and he goes sees her and all these years later, she's kept the bakery open and on purpose, just in case he wanted to come back. Yeah. Um, but, and so that was kind of a quaint and and, and beautiful scene. Um, 
and how people respected him that much that they were still waiting for him. Um, and it was and Amir no- getting the bottle of wine and finding out about the death of his wife was a good right, scene. Right, right, because there's a scene where Amir goes to a necropolis um, and uh, the, the woman brings him to um, this this grave in the necropolis, and it's, it happens to be um, Robin's wife's grave. And there's uh, some some things there, uh, including this this bottle of wine, which actually is the wine that he served that night. So it must have been the the wine the go to wine for him because it would be just too coincidental that um, it would be the exact wine. Well, and she had his whole wine cellar. Like she, she didn't oh, even no, you could tell I, she didn't even feel like it was hers, but she no kind of right. inherited it. Yeah, so that's what it was. It wasn't that. It was it was he specifically asked for that wine because he was it was the wine that he had given to Amir's father back in the day. And so that's so Amir Well, and let's goes, do a quick overview. He goes to Darius and says, "I want my pig back." Right. And Darius is just a dick. He's like, uh, here, oh, he, 20... he, he threatens mafia. This is where yeah, I basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he offers him money, and there's no money that he's that Robin's going to accept. Right. So basically, he he leaves dissatisfied. He's not going. He's not given his pig. He's offered money for it. He just wants his pig. So he right. goes and he finds Amir, and he seems to have overcome his his anger or disappointment with Amir. And he wants to now make a meal, the meal that was right. made, and serve it to Amir's father. That's right. That's right. Um, so let's let's do this scene pretty quick, and the finale. Uh, so again, we're we're at one hour and fifty five minutes recording time. Uh, so yeah. So explain what happened. So even though uh, Amir's father basically threatens him with violence, says tomorrow you, you'll be back at home. And uh, one of my my lackeys will show up with like fifty thousand dollars cash, and you're gonna just let it go and forget about the pig. Yeah, exactly. And that isn't gonna work because this has nothing to do with. First of all, um, as we discussed, Robin probably doesn't need money. No. Yeah. And it's it's like his he he loved his wife. He loves his pig. He's not gonna give his pig up. Exactly. Exactly. This has nothing to do with money. This has to do with uh, a love of a family member. And in this case, the family members, the pick. And I think from hearing Amir's story about the the dinner, he decides he wants to remake this dinner for the father and kind of humble him, I guess. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one, as we mentioned, we find a scene where Amir goes and visits his mom. Her mother wasn't dead after all. She's, she's actually uh, brain dead. And for whatever reason, the father won't pull the plug. Yeah. And he's um, like, I want you to die. I want him to let you die. Yeah. But the father won't do it probably because he, f- he feels guilty. Um, so, all right, let's talk about that final scene before the very final scene back at the shack. So talk about the, the dinner. Well, I, I love the scene of him and Amir making the dinner. I thought that was really great scene. Showed them being close. He's showing Amir how to cook, which I would think is a very personal thing. And Amir is just taking it in and and feeling that and seeing how to cook and seeing the love that 
Robin has for cooking. That's true. Yep. Yep. And and again, this is partly where he he knows that okay, this is this is the guy that made that awesome meal back, you know, seventeen years ago or whenever it was. Yeah, and I think Amir is seeing it as a cathartic thing for him and his father as well to eat this meal together. And so yeah. they serve the meal up, and eventually, well, if, if I can interject for a second, yeah, yeah. He, I think, I think uh, he now Amir now knows two things. One, he knows the humanity of Robin, and two, he knows that his father Darius has has done something terribly wrong. Yes. All right. So, so continue what what you were going. So they're eating this meal and basically in silence, nobody's talking. And eventually Darius breaks down. It finally hits him after he's eaten through the meal that this is, he feels everything he felt at that dinner, that they were, they were having a, a perfect time, him and his wife. And then it all went to hell. (laughs) And so he's feeling that finally. Yes. Yes. Everything absolutely. he had been avoiding for however many years, most of Amir's life, um, he now had to confront. Right. Exactly. And no matter the mob mentality, the dirtiness, and to be honest, I still honestly think this guy had something to do with organized crime. Um, that all goes away. And he breaks down, and then he admits what happened to the pig. It, and it was it died because they mishandled it. Right. So in other words, the pig was dead the entire time. It never got to its final location um, to you know find truffles or even be sold or, or whatever. In the process of the robbery, all the way to the time to, it was going to get to Darius as you just stated, someone mishandled it and it got hurt and, and, and died. And, and this is, this is an interesting finale because there was a number of ways a person that was this attached to this, this animal would have reacted. And it was the one that you would least expect in a, in a Hollywood or an independent film. It was, but it was actually probably the, the most realistic, which is, which is kind of cool because he could have went nuts and got angry. He could have got violent. He could have flipped out, used profanities, but then he, he fell to his knees, even though he's, well. he's, yeah. Even though he's become the boss in the scene, because, you know, because Darius is now basically uh, emancipated. Or, or whatever the term is. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, it, it, it's um, Robin who gets on his knees and wails in, in agony and depression and pain. Well, and they're both feeling that pain. Like, Darius is feeling the pain over his wife for the first time. Um, well, he might have experienced it throughout the years, but I think he's just pushed it in and in and in and in and in. And then... Now Robin's feeling the pain of the pig being dead the whole time he was looking for it. Right. Well, and also, also to see someone pain and and love for this animal and how much it is greater than Darius probably ever 
show to his wife it exactly must have also been a been a, a slam to Darius. One one thing I, I was worried about, and I wasn't sure if they were going to go that right, was if Darius was just lying. Oh did no, I think, think he was. Yeah, I did not think that at all because of what it took to get him to that point. Yeah. Right, right. For a second there, I was saying, oh, my God, Darius is just lying his ass off saying the pig's dead So <laughs> to get rid of this guy. But, of course, that, like you said, yeah, it didn't happen that way. It's, it's just that it was something that slipped through my mind when, it, when we were watching the scene. Um, so, yeah, and, and then you see um, Amir's face and the sadness in his face to see what's going on as he's watching these these two people, you know, his father and and – um, and Robin, two father figures, basically in his life at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so let's just talk about the last scene. Well, there's an interesting uh, scene where um, Robin says to Amir that he wished that he didn't know now, because then the pig would still be alive in his mind. And Amir says that wouldn't yeah. be the truth; that it sh- she'd still be dead. Yeah, and it also. Would wouldn't it be closure? Which kind of ties because back to his you, mom, because his mom's not dead, but she is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, you hear always about, you know, like who's that that poor young lady that that disappeared in Aruba? You remember that? Woman? Yeah, I can't think of her name, but yeah, yeah. But but either either way, yeah, the parents, you know, everybody knows that most likely, you know, what happened that that she she's no longer with us. But since they don't have the body there's never going to be that full closure mm-hmm. and, and when people do find the bodies or, or whatnot the, the, at least it's closure but to never know and as Amir says it wouldn't be true makes sense so the question is did Robin agree to that or was he still debating at the end I wish I didn't know no, I think he agrees with Amir, and he understands that that's that's really the truth that he had to know. But yeah, there's there'll probably always be a part of him that wishes he didn't know because yeah, yeah, Indeed. it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and then the final scene. Then he listens to his wife singing "I'm on Fire." That's right. That's right. Uh, basically, there's a tape of his wife. That it, I mean, it doesn't really explain it in the film, but reviews and, and I think Wiki try to say that his wife left him these tapes, maybe because she knew she was dying or something, and it would be things that he could listen to after she was gone or something. But for whatever reason, he, he has these tapes, and he never listens to them. But and they're all labeled to Robin. And finally, he decides to listen to it at the end. Um, so it's kind of saying that he's now coming to grips and acceptance of his wife's passing, which he's never been able to fully accept, I think. Which is kind of probably what the Darius is going through as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, and that's pretty much how it ends there so it it's a very very bittersweet ending because the pig's dead and it was often not and the reason it's dead 
just for stupid reasons. Carelessness yeah. and greed. Carelessness and, and greed. And greed, yeah, exactly. And then it's also bittersweet because he's still yeah, I mean, his wife's still gone, but it's all but at least he's been able to live with it a little better now that she's gone. However, the film has other interesting aspects too, which is the um and we didn't t- even talk about any of them and we won't have to because we don't have time but stuff like you know how people use uh people from a different class so you know like the drug user uh trailer trash people are used by wealthier people and you know on and on and on and then the you know there's i'm sure there's a bunch of good symbolism with that fight underground fight scene. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of it could be even, again, that could be a uh, class struggle too, where poor uh, bus boys who want to open up a restaurant are doing this just to hopefully get money, you know, because, you know, by sacrificing themselves to get beaten up, maybe they'll get some money that they can use to open. Well, um, even the truffles are a form of wealth, you know, like yeah. almost valuable, like gold. And, you know, he's like the miner (laughs) and then there's people benefiting from it. He's just getting supplies, you know, and then there's the middleman and then there's the people using it on the plates. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So there's probably other stuff we could have really went into. Um, But I think the story and the importance of uh, Robin, uh, inner demons, plus his relationship with Amir were big enough that all the other stuff is just gravy um, and not yep. as important to talk about. And again, in other words, like, for example, we did a, a film called AWOL uh, last year as part of the LGBTQ month. Um, and that film obviously had um, a discussion of, of the, the lesbian relationship and how that works and all that. But as we mentioned in that episode, that film's uh, class struggle was probably even more important than the LGBTQ aspect of that film. And so we talked a lot about yep. that even more so than just the LGBTQ part, but this film is a little different where the main top focus or what you think this film's about is really the main focus and the other stuff was just. It's about him and his relationships. Yeah. With the people yeah. he interacts with. Indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. Uh, now we're recorded for about two hours and eight minutes. Uh, any, any further things that you wanted to bring up about this film that we may have missed? Uh, I think the cinematography was really well done in, in this movie. Um, it, it was a really good looking film, very professional looking, you know, some art house movies, you don't get that. This movie had it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, AWOL was another one that we talked about, I just brought up, that had really good cinematography, too. But, uh, yeah, uh, Patrick Schuller is the cinematographer. I don't know any information about him. Uh, the editing was by Brett W. Bachman. Um, music was by Alexis Grassis and Philip Klein. Um, just throw those names, all those names out just for the fact that... Um, they're worthy to just throw out because of the film that it is. And, and like you mentioned, uh, cinematography was fantastic. Uh, anything else that you wanted to bring up? No, but I noticed some trivia on the IMDb page. That's pretty funny. In an after film Q and a director, Michael Sarnowski revealed the pig only had three days of training and bit Nicholas cage multiple times. 
After a particularly nasty bite, Cage joked, I've been set on fire, I've been flipped in cars, but it'll be sepsis from a pig that bite that kills me. It's too funny. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Speaking of a pig story, um, me and my uh, wife, we went up to uh, a town called Colebrook, New Hampshire, uh, back in the day to a bed and breakfast up there, which is literally like three miles from Quebec border. So, so obviously we did a lot of trips over the border. Um, and the bed and breakfast was really just basically a farm that they let people use rooms in the, in the, in the farm. And it was interesting too, because uh, their daughter was married to this Italian guy from Boston who was a EMT and he worked every other week. And so he would drive down from, from, the Quebec border, basically, all the way to Boston um, every other week, you know, and you stay over because, you know, you work, you know, 60 hours straight in those type right. of jobs. And um, and yet, you know, he would drive the three to four hours or whatever it was. Uh, but it, but that was just interesting. And, and uh, you know, the, in the farm, they had a pond and there was this moose that used to show up in the pond every night and stuff. But, but the main interesting thing was is that uh, the farmer, who was also – a school teacher at the at the town. He mentioned how they had pigs. They had a bunch of pigs in the backyard, and he said, and and they were sort of sausages at, at breakfast. So was, you know they made homemade breakfast and all that for the guests, and and the sausages were fantastic. I and, bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were literally fresh. He made them himself, and they were from yeah. pigs that he had. And there was this one pig, and you know, so he brought us out there and he showed us all the pigs and stuff. And he goes, "Yeah, see that pig right there? He's a mean bastard." That's the next pig that's going to be the sausages. And um, I'm thinking that's what happened to this pig here, because if this pig was biting, isn't trained and he's biting, you know, they probably just got it from the local farm. And then, you know, in a week later, it's probably the sausages. <laughs> so those things do happen. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So, so it wasn't really a trained pig for, you know, they just grabbed the pig probably from the local farm. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, oddly though, the film did have a, uh, box office of three million but uh, i can't find the budget i would like to find the budget but uh, yeah, i don't know anyway um anything else you want to bring up i think that's it all right sounds good um i won't go into the house any more house cleaning because again we, we recorded for about two hours and 12 minutes and people uh pretty much now know who we are with the house cleaning at the beginning uh, but they can come and obviously listen to Halloween Fatigue Psychotronic Reviews. They can listen to the Dark Discussions podcast, which me and you both are on, uh, among about 18 other different podcasts with other hosts uh, that aren't part of either Dark Discussions or Halloween Boutique, but they are a part of the Dark Discussions News Network. They just have their own podcast. Um, but with that, we could give our final thoughts on this film. So uh, why don't you start, Barrett? I still really like this film, even after discussing it, which is always a good thing. Um, I think the acting in it is phenomenal. I think the movie's phenomenal. It's well worth watching. And do not listen to anybody that says it's like John Wick, because it is nothing like John Wick. It only has a couple things in common with it, and it's very minor plot points. Um, you're going to see a drama with this film. You're not going to see an action killer revenge movie. A little mystery, a little mystery. little mystery, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, final thoughts. Um, I, th I think this will possibly be my favorite film of, of 2021. Uh, I know as we record this, because I forgot to say that as part of the house cleaning, we 
we're recording this on August 18th, 2021, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, it's usually uh, we give that date out because there's some listeners like Pam, which is co-host Mike's wife, always is curious when we record these episodes because sometimes they don't come out uh, literally the next week. Sometimes they can come out two or three months later because uh, we just throw them in the queue and we, we release them as they we feel fit. Uh, but for now, being August, meaning we're crazy, we're already past um, the halfway mark. You know, this is this is a good chunk of change of of days that have uh, gone by, months that have gone by, and 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 so by saying this is possibly the best film of 2021 at this point, isn't as unreasonable as saying this in February. So I, I think this may be my favorite film of the year so far. Uh, let me ask you, Barrett. Um, you mentioned uh, before you even saw the film. Uh, is it? Better than really? Is it that good, Phil? Is it better than A Quiet Place Two? What's your opinion now after seeing this and having seen A Quiet Place Two? I mean, they're very different films. Yeah, so, they're very I mean, different. I, I mean, I already see my number one on both lists: the speculative fiction, yeah. the horror. Yep. List. But but comparing those two films alone, what, what's your opinion? They're pretty equal. Um, they're both really really good, and I'll, I'll say the A Quiet Place Two is so far still number one horror movie this year for me. Um, and this is my number one genre film for sure. And there, you know, I've probably seen as many genre films this year as I've seen horror films and it's still number one, I think. Yeah. I'm right there with you with both of those films, quiet place Two, Fahar and, uh, pig for, for genre uh, or spectral fiction, if you prefer for our end of year list. It had Um, the surprise for me of being as good, like a good woman is hard to find the end of last year. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Perfect example, Uh, which was both my and yours favorite uh, speculative fiction film uh, last year as well. Yeah, we we had the exact same. For horror, I had had The Lodge and you had The Invisible Man, but for the speculative fiction list, we both had The uh, Good Woman is Hard to Find as as the best. Uh, But right now, it appears that me and you are both on the same page on both lists. It'll have to be a really good movie to beat this one on the yeah. speculative fiction slash genre film list. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Same here. And, and, and Quiet Place 2 is right? probably too. It'd be pretty yeah. tough to beat that. But yeah. we'll see. We still have a few months left, but uh, I'm not convinced that either one will, will fall uh, because these films are really, I mean, this film is really, really just that good. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this film. Um, all right. So uh, once again, uh, this is a pig 2021. It came out uh, on July 16th. Um, it, even though it was filmed in 2019, it did the festival circuits for a few years and then it d- didn't become a true released film after, uh, distributed by a company called Neon. Um, they released it July 19th, uh, 16th, 2021. Uh, so um oh, oh, less than just just over a month ago it came out uh which was a a uh, let's see right here a friday so uh yeah um so uh it stars nicholas cage again um uh also stars alex wolf everybody knows nicholas cage alex wolf was uh the kid from uh the son in hereditary he also was in the movie old just recently uh he comes from a oh artist acting family um music family as well um and then you mentioned adam arkin is in it as well uh who's uh probably best known for uh chicago hope as a matter of fact yeah um, yeah yep. and 
Yeah. Uh, oh, directed by Michael Sarnowski and written by him from a story or scripted by him from a story by himself and Vanessa Block, a friend of his and maybe even a girlfriend. I, I don't even know. Um, from Yale University where they met. Um, so I guess that's pretty much it. So uh, thank you for listening, I guess. Right. So uh, we'll be back again at some point. But until then, uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Join us again next time when we talk about something completely different. <laughs>